The voice on the tape was thin and quivering. Lydia Strong had to rewind the tape and turn up the volume. In the background, she could hear the wet whisper of cars passing on rain-slick roads, and once, the loud, sharp blast of a semi's air horn. It's Tatiana, the message began, followed by a nervous little noise that was somewhere between a giggle and a sob. Are you there? Please? I can't believe she's doing this to me. The girl inhaled unevenly, holding tears back from her voice. She went on in another language, something throaty and harsh, Eastern European sounding. Then she switched back to English. I'm not supposed to call anyone. I don't have much time. I'm somewhere in. The connection was broken. The package had been sitting beige and innocuous in the pile of mail that had collected in Lydia's office during the two weeks she had been gone. The small, soft envelope mailed to Lydia, care of her publisher, and forwarded was just one item in a mound of mail she had received from what Jeffrey Mark called her fan club. Prisoners, families of murder victims, aspiring serial killers, and miscellaneous psychotics drawn to her because of the books and articles she wrote about heinous crimes and the people who committed them. Winning a Pulitzer Prize and solving a few cases along the way as a consultant with the private investigation firm of Mark Hanley and Stryker, Lydia had become an icon of hope, it seemed, for the world's most desperate and its most sick and twisted. She was about to toss the envelope into the trash with the rest of the letters, but when she lifted the pile, the jiffy, heavier than the other items, fell to the floor with a dull thud and the slightest rattle. She looked at the package for a second, then reached down to pick it up. There was no return address, though it had been postmarked from Miami more than three weeks earlier. Written in capital letters in the lower right-hand corner was an urgent plea. Please read me. She observed the moment where she could choose to open the package or choose to throw it away never the wiser to its contents and the impact it might have on her life. But something about the smallness of it, the innocence of its soft beige form, and the slight rattle that indicated to her a tape cassette piqued her curiosity, lit a tiny jolt of electricity inside her. Lydia extracted a pair of surgical gloves, a letter opener, and a pair of tweezers from her desk drawer. She opened the package with the letter opener, careful not to disturb the seal, then removed a tape cassette and a handwritten note with the tweezers. The note was written with big, loopy letters in a faltering, cursive hand. Dear Miss Strong, you are a good woman of strength and honor, and you must help Tatiana Quinn and all the other girls who are in need of rescue. There are too many who are already past helping. But if you begin with Tatiana, you may be able to save so many more. I cannot tell you who I am or how I know this, or we will die, but I beg you to come to Miami and see for yourself. Nothing is as it seems here, but I know that you will see the truth and make it right. I pray that you will. It was like a thousand other letters she had received over the years, and she felt the familiar wash of anxiety, resentment, and curiosity that generally overwhelmed her when someone asked for her help. But there was something different about this letter. Maybe it was the child's desperate voice, or the earnest tone of the letter. Or maybe it was the implication that Lydia was responsible for the lives of the young girls supposedly in danger. And the fact that part of her believed that. Or maybe it was the haunting memory of Shauna Fox. 
but whatever it was, she didn't crumple the letter or destroy the tape. She just sat staring at the youthful handwriting with its loopy letters full of hope. Lydia leaned her head back against the black leather chair, closed her eyes, and released a long, slow breath. She felt two weeks of fatigue pulling at her muscles and her eyelids, even as the excitement of the buzz made her heart race a little. Images danced through her head. A girl alone on a street corner, huddled in a phone booth, staring nervously around her. The crowds that had gathered at Lydia's book signings during the media tour she had just conducted to promote blind faith. A murderer's face as she straddled him in a burning church, her gun inside his mouth. Jeffrey's smiling eyes. The tape player by her computer gave off a blank hiss for a few moments before she noticed and reached over to click it off. As she picked up the phone, she heard the elevator door that opened into their apartment. She realized that she was still...